Hi, this is Alison from Western Australia. Dusted is a Storywonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks. Everyone and welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens, and I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dusted. Your oh, I get it, City of Angel, <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. That joke, a season in the making. Uh, all this time, City of dot dot dot. I had no idea what that meant. What could possibly now I get it. Fill that ellipsis. Right? I have no idea. <laughs> Today on the show, we're taking a look at the first season of Angel. In its entirety, we're also going to take a look at the results of our Season 1 fan poll, but let's begin with the generalities, I guess. Lonnie, what did you make of the first season of Angel? How did the experience of watching it again match up with your expectations? Oh, God. You know, it was actually a pretty fair match. I'm finding with Buffy that um, I'm I'm going back to stuff that I remembered not liking and liking it a lot more, Mm -hmm. usually liking it a lot more. Angel, I remember liking it. I remember enjoying it, you know, in the first season. I've seen it maybe once, maybe twice, you know, not Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, And going back into it, I liked the stuff that I liked before, and I didn't like the stuff that I didn't like before. Nothing really surprised surprised me as much as I'm finding that happen over in Buffy. I think probably because I've spent less time thinking about Angel in general. Sure, sure. Um, but, I, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff to love, I think, about Angel the series. It's not the same as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's not as, you know, universally beloved. And there are a lot of people who love Buffy who just cannot have the time for Angel. I'm enjoying it. How I've about you? A few, a handful of people, mm-hmm. special in their uniquity, at least, who love Angel, but don't get along with Buffy. Right. Who found Angel to be a more developed perspective on the themes that are present throughout the Buffyverse, the themes that the two shows share. It's darker and more mature, definitely. It absolutely Mm -hmm. is. What really struck me this time, looking again at Angel, is that in addition to liking it more than I expected to, which is a common theme for our, (laughs) our journey through Dusted, I certainly ended up enjoying the season as a whole more than I expected to. What really leapt out at me this time is that rather than being a pre-Doyle's death, post-Doyle's death split, Mm -hmm. the first season doesn't fall naturally into two parts. It falls naturally into three. And I think that what drives people crazy about Angel isn't the pre-Doyle stuff, because there's a sense in which that's not even the show that Angel will be. It's the post-Doyle stuff. It's everything from hero up to really the ring Mm -hmm. that's when we get expecting and she and the real low points of the season when we reach the ring though everything starts to come together that's when it feels like the show finds its identity we move from the ring through eternity Mm -hmm. which i think isn't a terribly popular episode, but is at least a really interesting episode. And I think is consistent with this new vision of Angel. It belongs in that world. It absolutely mm-hmm. does. Yes, you couldn't tell Eternity in the Buffyverse right. mm-hmm. as, as it was. You need Angel's perspective on this universe to really explore that story fully. And from there, 5 by 5 Sanctuary, Warzone, Blind Date, Tishanshu in LA. That is a really strong finish to that the season. That is a solid run, yeah. That's a run 
unlike any similar run that we get in season four of Buffy, which, of mm-hmm. course, we're watching alongside it, it's not the most consistent run that we'll get out of the 12 seasons that, that are shared between these two shows, but it's up there. Mm-hmm. That is a really nice run of episodes, and I think that it is inextricably connected to Angel's sense of its own identity. Mm-hmm. So the first nine episodes... A little shaky, but there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. We then really do hit the doldrums. It gets bad for a while, and it stays bad in a really weird mm-hmm. way. But then the show just picks itself up. It's kind of like raising kids, right? Because at first it's like, you know, you're getting used to it. It's a lot of work. And then they're teenagers, and they're just finding themselves, mm-hmm. and you can't figure out what's going on. And then finally they get, like, to high school. They start being cool. They start having their own thoughts. <laughs> you can actually have conversations that with them. That is a very... Definite and and quintessentially you perspective it, of parenting. It really, really is. I'm it? not sure that's a universal experience. <laughs> I'm not sure either. But it is an authentic one. At least. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Would you draw the line at the ring? Because I was thinking about this earlier, and I'm not sure that you can't draw the line at I've got you under my skin. Mm. Because I've got you under my skin, particularly coming after she. Because she, while I saw, I think more than you did, and certainly more than our listeners did, I saw potential at least in mm-hmm. that story. It's really flat. I've got you under my skin, though the demon possession story does feel more adult. We move from that into the prodigal, which is not unproblematic in its own way. Mm -hmm. So for me, the ring feels like the moment where the show really finds itself. But ring feels to me, it's like, you know, you're walking down the street and there's just this mass of faces. And then you suddenly see somebody you recognize and you're like, hey, like, that's what it feels like for me. We hit the ring and I'm like, hey, I know this show, you know, (laughs) and I feel that sense of recognition. Like this is truly what Angel is. Mm -hmm. So that's absolutely where I would draw the line because I don't have that feeling in She or, you know, I've got you under my skin or The Prodigal. It just, it doesn't feel, I don't recognize this show as the show that I have loved until we get to the ring. Yeah, there are elements... There are elements in there, in sure. earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Let's get into our fan poll results. I don't think this is going to be a terribly long show because I think we've said a lot of what we have to say about the first season of Angel. Yeah. I'm somewhat surprised to say that we have received no voicemail correspondence about Angel whatsoever. It's, it's a little sad. Yeah, Angel feels like the redheaded stepchild of this... <laughs> It suffers for its first season definitely by comparison. I think more a lot of than, have trouble getting into it. Yeah. You know? Though we've had a rush of people getting in touch saying that, no, you were right. I stuck around on Warzone Blind Date to Shanshu. Those episodes. They got me. Absolutely right. pulled me back in. I think everyone kind of appreciates the Faith two-parter, but yeah. we appreciate that, as we've said before, as a Buffy story that happens to be taking place in L.A. Yeah, that's where we kind of really start to see this yeah. split between the Buffy universe and the Angel universe. But by the time we get to those last three episodes, the show really has a vision, really has it's a sense of itself, and is making a statement, which yeah. is fun to see. And I think it's no coincidence, as we move over to the season one fan poll, that there are three standout winners. <laughs> it's really a three-horse race between I Will Remember You, 5 by 5 in Sanctuary, and Tishanshu in L.A. Really interesting that we have two Buffy stories, mm-hmm. and perhaps the definitive season one Angel story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting to see that split, that that our focus, our, our investment in Angel is somewhat Buffy-oriented, not mm-hmm. necessarily in the character of Buffy, but certainly in the show of Buffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Tishanshu really, really steps it up. No other show received an appreciable number of votes. No other episode, rather, received an appreciable no, number I mean, of votes. Hero there. is next, but that is way, way, <laughs> way, way lower. Yeah. Hero received something like a fifth of the number of votes. Exactly. 
of Tushanshu in LA. And what was really interesting was that I will remember you and Five by Five and Sanctuary were just neck and neck yeah, all mm-hmm. the way. It just mm-hmm. felt like those two were going to, to really take the lead. And even now they're 10 votes ahead of Tushanshu in LA. But yeah. I, I'm happy with that. No, I think that that's fair <laughs> enough. The first season of Angel can be a little bit to get through. And I hope that if anybody is listening to this who has fallen off of Angel, that they try to come back for season two. I think it'll be sure. worth it. And no coincidence that our top three, mm-hmm. Tushanshu, 5 by 5 and I will remember you, you the fans picked our top three in the opposite order. Sure. Which I think is is fair. That is okay. And perhaps if I were to sit down and watch a single episode of the first season of Angel now, mm-hmm. it might be I will remember you. <laughs> Well, once again, I mean, with the distinction that everybody's picking their favorite ones. So the ones that tend to be the second favorite may not make the list quite as much. So, you know, that's always a consideration. In a way, the more interesting poll, though, was the poll for least favorite episode of the first season. And it was a little more hotly contested, though. Mm -hmm. Still, we only have five episodes out of the 22 getting any appreciable number of votes. Lonely Hearts. Sense and Sensitivity, Expecting and She, of course, the absolute Nadir there. Expecting yes. <laughs> and She, that two-parter right in the heart of the season. It can be a little tough. That's that's pretty bad time. With Somnambulist right before that, too, which is oh, yeah. not one of Ooh, my personal favorites. Yeah. But all of those are eclipsed by I Fall to Pieces, which received more than double the number of votes than the episode in yeah. second place. Though I'm glad to say that we were right along with the listeners. Oh, sure. In this mm-hmm. regard, two I Fall to Pieces dead last in our personal list, topped by Sense and Sensitivity, The Prodigal, The Bachelor Party, and Lonely Hearts. We were a little kinder, I think, on Expecting, on Eternity, on Somnambulist, on She, mm-hmm. than a lot of the listeners were. Sure. But if you tell me that any one of those episodes is your least favorite of the season, I will believe you and I will understand. I have full respect for anybody who hates she. (laughs) So what do these episodes have in common for you? Is there any single thing that you can point to that, that defines the bad angel episode? I think the bad angel episodes are the ones that, that sort of have, I don't know, they have that law and order sense of like, well, here is an injustice and we're going to set it straight. And it doesn't really focus on the core team. I think that I mm. look for the stories that are about Cordy and Wesley and Angel and now Gunn, you know, that we're looking for stories that speak to who they are rather than this is our team of people out to set justice right. I know? think we also deal with sex and sexuality in a very clumsy, ham-fisted, and often regressive way. Mm -hmm. I think when we look at those episodes, you know, I Fall to Pieces has the whole voyeuristic Mm -hmm. element and and the, you know, sexual assault element too. Obviously, we've got the the pickup artist aspect of Lonely Hearts, Mm -hmm. expecting, and she, we're Mm -hmm. dealing with sex and pregnancy. We're dealing with these very mature and what will be in part some of Angel's favorite themes mm-hmm. in terms of the show's treatment of of the adult world of Los Angeles as a whole. Angel's going to do in aggregate fairly well by themes of sex and sexuality. In the first season, though, whenever we go to that well, things get bad very, very quickly. It, indeed. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that we've left that behind for the last arc yeah. of the season. Let's move on to happier times and to another three horse race. <laughs> this time our poll for favorite character. Well, who would you guess would be at the top of our poll for favorite character? In reverse order, the top three, Wesley, Angel, and Cordelia taking it. Cordelia, number one with a bullet. 
An interesting number of votes for Doyle, Gunn, and Lindsay, all mm-hmm. kind of bubbling along, a long way down the list, but all kind of bunched together. And then Kate, Lee Mercer, and Lila Morgan. We did get two votes for Kate as favorite character, which I can only assume are sarcastic. Uh, maybe. But maybe there are people out there. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling really sad that Lila got no love at all. Zero <laughs> votes. And I have to say, Lila's not my favorite character. And maybe it's that thing about your absolute favorite, and then the second favorite doesn't tend to get as much. But Lila's pretty cool and I like her a lot she's interesting and dark and I'm going to enjoy her much much more you know in the future but I liked her in this season. Yeah I liked her in this season too I do think it's a little crowded I think that Mm. Lila would have benefited from dropping Lee. Yeah I think that cutting Lee from the season completely Mm -hmm. giving all of his material over to Lila (laughs) I mean adapting it for her character Cutting Lee and giving all of his material over I just I don't know for something that just reminded me of the moment he got shot in the head and a lot of his material actually ended up on Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, that material. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on with the actual no, intelligent thought that you were having absolutely. when I interrupted with Luckily, we don't have to deal with Lee Mercer <laughs> anymore. But I do think that there's a fair argument that the Wolfram and Hart storyline is ever so slightly crowded. It is because incredibly crowded. By yes. the time we're juggling four people at the end of the season there in Blind Date, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's just too many. Mm-hmm. And I think that stripping Lee out and having more direct more direct conflict, a more direct relationship mm-hmm. between Lindsay and Lila would have worked well for both of their characters. Well, I like this lovely antagonism that we see building between them, especially toward the end of the season. Mm. So it's it's real fun, and I'm enjoying Lila more and more every time she shows up. When we did the Buffy fan poll, we had a question about favorite relationship, romantic mm-hmm. or otherwise. The relationships in the first season of Angel haven't really been developed to the point where we could really talk meaningfully about yeah. them, any mm-hmm. of them. What are we going to talk about? Cordelia and Doyle or Angel and Kate? <laughs> Not a lot of meat right. on the bone there. So instead, we had this question. Which was your favorite Buffy crossover appearance in Angel Season 1? There were five crossover appearances. Oz and Spike in In the Dark. Buffy by herself in I Will Remember You. Faith in 5x5 Five Five in Sanctuary. And then Buffy 2 in Sanctuary. Another three-horse race. In third place, we had Spike, but he was a long way behind the leaders, tied, basically, for first place. Faith in 5 by 5 in Sanctuary, and Buffy in I Will Remember You, who, in the end, did just edge out Faith. Yeah, no, and I think that that's a, a good, a good, I mean, you know how much I love Spike. Mm-hmm. You know how much I love Spike. Given this question, I would choose I Will Remember yeah, You. Yeah, that was my answer, too. I think that Buffy is both the most interesting character. Buffy specifically in I Will Remember You. Interestingly, Buffy in Sanctuary got almost no votes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I can well believe. Sure. Uh, Buffy in I Will Remember You wasn't just the most fully developed character from the Buffy verse that we see in the Angel verse. She was pivotal to a story in a way that the other characters mm-hmm. weren't. You know, there's a lot going on in 5x5 Five Five in Sanctuary that actually has nothing to do with Faith. Mm-hmm. It's good that Faith is there. I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. But you can't tell. I will remember you without Buffy. And without the history that they have. Yeah. It, it was such a beautiful and so incredibly heartbreaking. It is really, honestly, only second to close your eyes to like the thing <laughs> that makes me just die a little inside. <laughs> and one last three-horse race as we get to our favorite writer of the season. Joss Whedon takes it, of course, with David Greenwalt and Jane Aspenson following along thereafter. Pretty much an expected 
response i think uh, yeah absolutely i have to say janine renshaw who wrote i will remember you mm-hmm. had like a couple of you know she's kind of like in there she does a couple yeah. of episodes but her episodes were were really well loved and she got some love on this poll too and a little love for tim Minier too who's yeah. going to continue to write scripts for angel and do really interesting a work tim Minier is one of my favorites yeah. a really good stable of writers i think particularly for its first season yeah they got a deep bench that's going yeah. to shake out a little bit as we move on mm-hmm. but there's a lot to love yeah. in those writers and in the work that they're going to bring us finally in the fan poll which was your favorite performance in angel season one and i'm really glad to see that despite the love that we have shown and the listeners have shown for charisma carpenter Mm. as cordelia i think the most undersung performance was honored here david barianis got it for angel yeah by almost double the number of votes (laughs) than charisma carpenter in second who was almost double the number of votes ahead of alexis denisov as wesley yeah i think that really does speak to both the quality and the variety, the depth, the range of the performance that we got from David Boreanaz in this season. Yeah. One of the things that just blows me away is when he's funny. Because he has this incredible self-deprecating humor, even when the joke itself, you know, isn't necessarily at his expense. There's something about, like, when Angel says to Cordy, yeah, I thought it was funny. You know, like, (laughs) stuff like that when he's dancing, when he's being goofy, which he's not called upon to do very much. But when he does, he does it with, I don't know, like this... This understated sense of like, it's not about ego. He's just delivering it in such a wonderful way. And his deeply emotional moments. Oh, my God. And I will remember you. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. It was so beautiful. And he goes, he has, I would say, an almost, I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar is inhuman, but like almost comparable range (laughs) to what Sarah Michelle Gellar can do. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And we see some great work from him in in the dark, the final Mm -hmm. sequence in, in the dark, no matter how well that scene works for you logically no matter how compelled you are by the argument i think you can't help but be compelled by the performance Mm -hmm. that matches up with the last scene of warzone 2 he's pretty good when he's on a roof i guess is what i'm saying no he's real good on a roof but in a weird way the less he is called upon to do in terms of the classic stoic angel thing the more we deviate from that the more impressive he is right because the brooding is one thing like you know there are certain things that some actors can do and they do that one thing really well and you christopher (laughs) walking your way through it and life goes on right but the thing with david is he's given so much brooding to do that after a while, you kind of think that that's all he does. Yeah. And then when you're really paying attention, you see the incredible variety that he can deliver in these performances. It's really impressive. We talked a lot about Charisma Carpenter back in Buffy. How do you feel her performance has changed, evolved, grown since mm-hmm. moving to Angel? Her performance is always great. Yeah. I love Charisma Carpenter, and I think she, like many of the actors that we see on, on the, both of these shows spread across, is often underestimated. The thing with her is that I feel like the material didn't rise to her abilities as much as we saw in Buffy. I think that yeah. a lot of times Cordy was kind of relegated to the joke in the background when well, she, she was, was asked to do something. Character. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't like this this habit of, you know, the A story is Angel pursuing some kind of justice and the B story is Wesley and Cordy being goofy in the background. My favorite thing, of course, was in the ring when Cordy and Wesley worked really well together mm-hmm. and did cool things rather than just kind of being the jokes in the background. Um, so I feel like the material didn't give her it wasn't terrible material that she had it just didn't ask a lot of her and I think Mm -hmm. that she can do a lot more oh I think so too and I think we'll continue to see that though 
it's probably fair to say that the material that she's given to do in Angel will never quite reach the level of her performance. Mm-hmm. She will pretty consistently, with with a few exceptions that yeah. we're looking forward to, but she will pretty consistently outstrip the show's ability to give her decent storylines, to give her decent material. To give her real work. The show do, is yeah. going to mm-hmm. struggle with Cordelia. Yeah. As it's, we've seen it's already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really difficult thing. Do you feel that when we hit Hero, or perhaps when we hit Parting Gifts more mm-hmm. specifically, do you feel that that would have been a good opportunity to write out the powers that be inspired visions from the show because we've used them negligibly through the back two thirds of the season. Well, you give Cordelia this really great and interesting role to play. And I think that we used them really well into Shanshu in LA. Mm -hmm. You know, we put her through that unbelievably tormenting experience. We could have done that to her into Shanshu in LA without any prior knowledge of those No, visions. absolutely. As soon as he touches he her, she gets it. He could have just zapped her with the magic mojo, the and that would have done it. The use of the visions, we for something that was essentially this get-out-of-jail-get-out-of-exposition-free you know, card, right? <laughs> it's like, here we have this, you know, we don't have to set anything up. Cordelia has a vision. We go and we find that person, and the story runs from it there. It is the conflict engine. Exactly. I know it really is. And we didn't use it. No. I mean, I, I like that. I like the visions. I like that there's a cost and there's a consequence for Cordelia. I think that that's great. That's all fantastic. Why in the world would you not use that? You well, know? I think that the show's original pitch, <laughs> helping normal people with supernatural problems, that is well served by a supernatural conflict engine. Mm-hmm. As the show has evolved, as we have better established Los Angeles, as we have expanded our sense of this world, we're moving more toward a show that is fixated on helping supernatural people with supernatural problems. Mm -hmm. You know, we're moving out of the realm of Victim of the Week that we saw in the first, I guess, half dozen episodes. I like that because you can't. You can't maintain the masquerade. Maintaining the masquerade is hard enough to believe in Sunnydale. But this is Los Angeles. <laughs> and there are literally armies of scourge demons running around, <laughs> rounding up entire species of other demons. Nobody notices. There's a secret underground fighting club that isn't apparently terribly secret because every mover and shaker in Los Angeles is mm-hmm. there on a Thursday night. Yeah, We can't maintain the illusion that demons, that the supernatural, that, that evil is unknown in Los Angeles. And the show, I think, to its credit, recognized that pretty quickly and started to pivot away from it, ultimately leading us to something like Warzone, where (laughs) the war on the streets of Los Angeles is just pretty acknowledged. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is now. The powers that be and their visions serve that storyline a little less well, because when you are motivating supernatural action with a supernatural trigger, then I think that you're you run the risk of becoming unstuck. Yeah. I think that you get to have your cake or eat it, but not both. Does that make sense? I think it does. I also think that the powers that be, um, this idea of this all-knowing, you know, essentially God figure mm-hmm. um, that we are presuming is a force for good. You know, we don't really know exactly what that's all about, the powers that be, but that they have a direct access line that, you know, they, they get told, you know, where to go and what to do by, you know, the, essentially the, the Charlie, you know, for those of you who watch yes. Charlie's Angel, a little voice in the box that says, this is your assignment without oh. any explanation of, 
how or why or why are we saving this person and not this other person? No, as it is, they're leaping around like Sam Beckett. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, and it feels a little, um, it's a little nebulous. And I think yes. that that's, I, I can see that being a problem with it. In which case, if you take the power away from Cordy, yeah. you know, um, or if they, you know, like have this question about we don't know who this is, we don't know what they're doing or why they're doing this to Cordy and they take the power away and they strip that connection. You know, the, the Wolfram and Hart at the end of the season was like, oh, well, he has this direct connection to the powers that be. We have to, you know, clip that yeah, connection. Yeah, they were treating that like a much bigger deal than Angel or but Cordelia or even be, Doyle. Right, because they're not doing anything. They're yeah. not giving Cordelia visions. Well, you know, we, they're we not, yeah. tackled at the beginning of the season the idea that this was really about redemption. Mm-hmm. And as the show moves through its first season, it becomes clear fairly quickly that it's not actually that much about redemption at all. We were paralleling Angel and Doyle in the first nine episodes. But after Doyle's death, the show, again, pivoted away from that. Right. And part of that is a simple maturation. You know, Part of that is just you discover what you're good at. You discover what you do well. You discover what you struggle with. And you, you lean toward mm-hmm. the stories that you are better equipped to tell. That's completely natural. Every single show in the world goes the through that. First season, it's always that way. Mm-hmm. But when you have an awareness of that, surely there must have been a conversation around parting gifts. Yeah. About just dropping the divisions completely. Yeah. Well, I guess, except that <laughs> prior to Cordelia's rise into greater agency in the back half of the season, the visions were really just a good excuse to keep her around. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I think that Cordy didn't really have a strong role aside from being the, you know, secretary who doesn't know how to file or alphabetize until, of course, by the end of the season, she can, you know, over the phone, but still, like, hack, you know, encrypted files. (laughs) Well, with Willow's help. Well, with Willow's help, (laughs) yeah. But, you know, anybody who's ever been the tech support person in their family knows that, you know, some people are just people who can't file are not going to be able to figure out how to decrypt a computer file. I think the... Epiphany that we get for Cordelia into Shanshu in LA is the epiphany that she should have had in parting gifts. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. making her dedicated to the cause is that's such a good idea. Yeah, and giving her a greater, stronger role to have her dedicated to this work, that yeah. it's about that work for her. And I think that we kind of moved her for you know like through a little bit of a character arc but it would have been i think much more interesting much richer storytelling to really like spread that arc Mm. out over the season what about wesley how did he impress you in the season as a whole Oh, in every way. Okay, like, I I don't like goofy Wesley. I feel like it doesn't utilize what is best about Wesley. I love capable Wesley. Um, but you do like him showing up hot on the trail of, of rogue demons. Well, okay, no, I do love that. <laughs> but it delights me. Is it good? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> but, but it does delight me. Um, and I enjoy everything that Alexis Denisoff does. I think that he is tremendously talented. And there's something about Wesley that just is so... So he's so sweet and he's so well-intentioned and capable. And I just think he's a good man, you know? I was surprised looking at the season as a whole that we really didn't get much of an arc from Wesley. We got bits and pieces. We got gradually less goofy, but I don't know that that's an arc so much as a retcon. Very, very gradually. Mm -hmm. We got hints about his dark past, Mm -hmm. but he didn't really, he showed up, he changed instantly and then pretty much 
remained static. Kind of held that space. Yeah, mm-hmm. allowing for episode by episode variation. You know, well, different we, we interpretations. Well, have a brother sister bickering with Cordelia at least once an episode. So yeah. Yes, or you know something that's almost quasi romantic, something that's yeah. almost you know almost a sexual tension, and there is a certain sexual tension, a playful sexual tension sure. between. Well, either between Cordelia and Wesley or between Charisma Carpenter and Alexis Denisov. <laughs> who among Wes- us can say? Between Wesley and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly Wesley and Angel. Oh, and I've read the fan fiction to prove it. <laughs> I was surprised because I did remember, I remembered him coming in goofy and then arcing out of it. And he just. He doesn't he arc. He didn't. It wasn't informed. He yeah. slides out of it. He sort of sheds it like <laughs> a snakeskin. Yeah. Yes. For all that, though. A real high point. Oh, gosh. I love him so much. Um, I When Doyle was on screen, I had, like, a guilt reaction because I couldn't wait for him to die. And it wasn't that I, like, hated, you know, the character of Doyle or that I really – but just knowing that Wesley was coming, I couldn't wait to get rid of Doyle. <laughs> I also – well, Doyle was a pleasant surprise in some ways. I did enjoy his character from time to time more than I expected to. But still, I yeah. think that's the least interesting direction you can go with a character who needs to fulfill that purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that you could have done pretty much anything with any character standing in that space, and it would have been more interesting than basically recreating Whistler. Well, because Whistler was not a great character to begin with. And I can say at least they had Glenn Quinn playing that role, which made it a little more bearable. I didn't particularly care for the actor who played Whistler in the... uh, in that episode in, in Buffy, but um, from time to yeah. time, Glenn Quinn really did. He did some good work. Really and actually, did deliver the goods. I like him a Again, lot. As when an actor. the scripts yeah. rose to meet the performance mm-hmm. that he was giving, and and I guess a little less consistently because it wasn't just that he was giving a a great performance and the scripts weren't great. He was giving a performance that was great in very specific ways, yeah. and the scripts too often leaned on other aspects of Doyle's characterization. Right, strengths that weren't necessarily there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Strengths that, honestly, no living actor could do anything with. Yeah. I mean, no one could have made that that lovesick puppy dog routine for Cordelia mm-hmm. work. Yeah. There just wasn't enough material there to, to justify it and to motivate it. So that became fairly wearisome fairly quickly. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame because I really did like Glenn Quinn as an actor Um, and uh, and Doyle just I was so anxious for Wesley to show up on the scene that by the time we got to Hero I was like yes 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 let's go you know (laughs) well and Hero is at least not an uncomplicated episode but an episode that gives Doyle a nice send off an appropriate finale Mm -hmm. for the series which which works really quite well and is certainly the first major turning point in Mm -hmm. in the season's arc you can't talk about the first season of Angel without talking about Hero, not just because it marks the cast change, but because it's an important transition in the way that we approach storytelling in the the Angel side. Mm -hmm. It's one of those episodes that introduces the idea that there are just demonic cultures out there. You know, we came through the Bachelor Party, but treating demonic culture as a joke kind of of declaws it in an interesting way. You know, it makes it less real and less urgent. By the time we get to Hero, by the time we're making, you know, very direct reference to to Nazi stormtroopers, to the Holocaust, that perhaps is a little too heavy-handed. Perhaps it's a little too far the other way, but it is at least treating this exercise in expanded world building seriously. We're, we're really making a statement with that, and that worked. And by the time we get to 
something like she by the time we get to later in the season. You know, we're, we're making progressive statements there about what LA is, about what this world is, about what we can expect from from Angel as a show, though every time we do that, we're broadening the gulf between Angel and Buffy just by degrees. I mean, mm-hmm. by the time we hit the end of the first season, there's no way back. You kind of have to accept that in a sense, if not absolutely, Buffy and Angel are taking place in different worlds. Well, yeah, I think so. And I think that I kind of see it as um, everybody is in their own universe. You know, the narrative depends on what it is that you see and you personally experience and the meaning that you attribute to it. So I sort of see it as a as a perspective, uh, you know, a gulf of perspective that Angel has a much m- more mature perspective on the world and sees things that Buffy would never see. And Buffy has a different perspective on the world. And, and so she goes in a different direction. For me, that's how I kind of make these worlds make sense in a shared universe um as we've said before buffy's still fundamentally about becoming angel about being Mm -hmm. buffy is about moving toward the person that you will be angel is about living life as the person you are Mm -hmm. making those decisions and it is for that more adult more bleak Mm -hmm. yes but in a weird way more optimistic more hopeful Yeah, I don't know. When I think about it in terms of, you know, I I referred to Angel's more adult, more mature. And I don't want to say that Buffy is immature, you know, but I think it really is the difference between being and becoming. I think that that's really, you know, because it it feels like we're, you know, we're slamming Buffy as not being, you know, and Buffy is complicated and complex and and emotionally varied. And I mean, there's so much. And emotionally punishing. I mean, (laughs) God, there's so much stuff going on in Buffy, which is so intense. But I think there is a level of intensity that actually makes Buffy, the colors in Buffy are much, much brighter and much, much more in your face. And the colors in Angel are a little more muted, but I think that they have some more texture to them because Buffy even as it has matured even as it has become more adult is still ultimately about fighting to win it's about fighting to defeat the bad guy she slays and then the problem is solved and the world is better right that's not what's happening in Los Angeles. That's not what Angel as a story is fundamentally about. Mm-hmm. It's about fighting despite the fact that you're never going to win, yeah. despite the fact that it is never going to be over. Mm-hmm. That's why when we talk about Angel, so often we'll go to these noir archetypes. We'll, we'll talk about these stories, which in almost every case, you know, we're not really talking about noir stories. We're talking about noir inflected stories. We're talking about stories that leverage some of that worldview but it's a worldview that's underpinned with a real existential commitment to the fight we are who we are because we do what we do we make that choice and that ties all the way back to a man's ties all the way back really to to becoming part Mm -hmm. one and two it's really great to see angel not just mature into a show that is different from buffy that does different things but a show that is more angel yeah Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to already have that template in place from Amends. We already know why Angel does the things he does. And now the show that bears his name is moving more toward that realization itself. Which is what I think I would ideally want. You know, you don't want to have no. Angel just be a pale slice of Buffy. You know, I mean, you want it to be its own thing and see the world in its own way and do 
the thing that it's doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I don't like hold it against any of the people who had to drop out who just could not get through the first season. I completely understand that. But I think that Angel really does have a lot to offer. Sometimes some things are worth kind of hanging in there for. And I think that Angel is, is one of those things. Well, and in that spirit, let's talk about the necessary Angel list. Let's talk about the essentials. Okay. Which episodes of this, the first season of Angel, would you recommend, will we recommend? Because I know there are people out there who are actually waiting for this list, unlike the Buffy list, which is more of an academic exercise. For the ones you have to go through. Yeah, there are people out there who actually want us to tell them, no, watch these six episodes and you're fine. How do you distill the entire season down so that you get the authentic Angel experience? Wow. I don't know. That's kind of tough. I mean, okay, let's start with City Of. Yes. Um, Let's start with City Of. I feel like City of, I mean, because it's the first episode, because it establishes the world, mm-hmm. because it shows Angel in this new environment and what it is that he's trying to do. It's not one of my favorite episodes. We get Doyle. We get that introduction. We get Cordy back. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like City of needs to be part of the essentials. I absolutely agree. Okay. Yeah, I think you need City of. I think you need to have it there because City of is a more progressive episode. We kind of regress from that vision of Los Angeles. Right. City of, not a great episode in and of itself, but a great statement of intent and of tone. And not a terrible episode. No, certainly not a terrible episode. We will certainly see worse. It was still, you know, it remained the the yeah. average point in our list for it quite some time. It is kind of the midpoint inflection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. everything below it isn't great. Everything mm-hmm. above it is it's pretty, good. pretty great. Sure, <laughs> so sure. I'm happy with City of being included. For me, the only question is, do you jump straight to Hero or do you include I Will Remember You? Oh, uh, you include I Will Remember You? You include <laughs> I Will Remember You? You inc- How is that a question? Again, the question I was asking is, do we keep in the dark? Which the answer is no. But I mean, I love that episode. <laughs> no, the answer is no. In the dark has nothing to do with Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it doesn't. I, it, I it love should. it. But, in yeah. the dark would be a much better episode if it did have something to do with Angel. If, if the articulation of his perspective on the rooftop at the end of the episode <laughs> was convincing and compelling, mm-hmm. I would include it just for that. While it worked for me, I have to concede that it didn't work for no. most everyone yeah. else. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think you have to cut in the dark because in the dark is also really problematic and, and, it's, and messy. It's a little ramshackle there at the it end. It absolutely yeah. is. No, for me, the argument in the middle of that first pack, the argument for me is Room with a View. Oh. Do we, do we look into that at all? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that Room of the View, you know, we, we establish Cordy's apartment, which is a big thing. And we, we establish, you know, well, it's not about Phantom the apartment Dennis. as much as it's about Cordelia herself. And mm-hmm. the other thing we get from that is Doyle's past. Yeah. So I think that for 44 minutes, Room of the View actually accomplishes quite a lot. If you watched City of Room of the View, then Hero, I think you would get the full uh, Doyle then experience. I will remember you. No, I'm just talking about Doyle. You're just talking about Doyle. The I'm full just talking range about Doyle. Of Doyle. Yes. Um,. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I can see the argument for Room with a View. I mean, it's not and it's not a bad episode. It's really not. It's not nope. a terrible episode. It's a fine episode. It's just that this entire first run, you know, yeah. just feels like we haven't found ourselves. No, we don't I really, think there's you know, an argument for just doing City of and then Hero and not doing even I Will Remember You. I Will Remember You, an excellent episode. Not necessarily an essential episode. I think it is an essential episode. Okay, then. Angel gives up his shot at love and humanity. Then we'll include that on the list. We're kind of begging the question here. Ought we to include Hero? Uh, You know? Or would we include Parting Gifts instead that offers 
in a sense, a perspective on Doyle that is informed by his passing more than more than yeah. his storyline. You know, we kind of <laughs> we look at Doyle with his story concluded rather than seeing. And its we movement. also get the introduction of Wesley and his do. leather outfit. <laughs> we do, <laughs> which is kind of fantastic. I might be persuaded I to skip Hero. Skip and go to parting in favor gifts? of parting gifts. Well, I'm going to put Hero as a potential on the list because I feel like there's a lot of power in that moment mm-hmm. with Doyle and. I think if I was going to recommend just the essentials, mm-hmm. I would put both hero and parting gifts on that list. So I'm going to put them down and then we'll come back to them <laughs> and finalize. From there, is it? A straight skip to the ring. <laughs> Do we include the ring? Is the ring itself an essential episode? It's a point of inflection. I think it it's is, where but... Angel starts becoming Angel. Is it so essential that people need to watch the I, ring. Cordy and Wesley work together so well in that. But we'll That's see that great. happen again in the future. And and individual elements, I don't think, make an episode essential. Mm. I think in order to get the sense of Angel, I don't think there's anything that you get from the ring that you don't get from the first 10 minutes of 5x5. Five five, okay. That you don't get from Wolfram and Hart, you know, hiring Faith. Okay. No, you know what? All right. I'm with you. I'm I would skip you. straight to 5x5 five five and Sanctuary. I don't think there's an argument for skipping 5x5 five five and Sanctuary, do you? Uh, not in my world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that only relieves the question, do we have Warzone blind date to Shanshu, or do we skip Warzone and trust that Gun will be more relevant in Season 2? Because mm, uh, I don't think you can skip either blind date or to Shanshu, right? Well, blind date, I would accept... For Lindsay. I think that Lindsay is, is a major thing but in here. And also thematically for Angel as a whole. Yeah. I honestly would want to include Warzone, Blind Day, and Deshanshu. I think I that think Warzone is a really good episode. Gun is a pivotal character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Well, Gun yeah. will become a pivotal character, but he's not yet. <laughs> well, but this is where Gun starts. So, sure, um, okay. sure. So let me see. So I think I would put all three of them in there. Okay. I don't know. All right. So that leaves us with how many episodes on our essentials list? Okay. If we include Room with a View, that's 10. That's a lot. Do we take out Room with a View and make it an even nine? <laughs> with 10? Okay. I would, I would cut Room with a View. I would cut Hero. I would cut Warzone. I would trim this thing back. That is not to say that those aren't good episodes. And I think that one of the things that would happen is if you show someone who is new to Angel, pretty much everything from 5x5 five five to the end of the season. I think they're yeah. going to want to go back mm-hmm. and watch everything else. I think, honestly, you could pretty much start with 5x5. Five five. I think you could do 5x5, five five, Sanctuary, Blind Date, to Shanshu, four episodes, and you get almost everything from the first season of Angel. Okay. I appreciate that, but I cannot oh, I will negotiate no, okay. a list that doesn't have thank you. I think you could I think you could include those five. I think you could basically start with uh maybe City of is essential to Okay. To I show would how say that seven there. episodes <laughs> is not too much to ask. Seven out of twenty two. I would say seven episodes. I will I will give you room with a view. I will cut hero. I will grudgingly and you will pay for that later. Cut war zone. <laughs> It's not about the quality of the episode. I know. I'm just, I like gun. So, no, but I think that that's good. I think that's so a that solid gives list. Us yes. An intro to Angel. That's Angel 101. Yes. And mm-hmm. then you can go back and fill in the gaps. And I think there's nothing wrong with having a second tier list mm-hmm. where you say, well, go watch Hero, right. go watch, <laughs> go watch Room with a View. Mm-hmm. Maybe even go watch The Ring. Sure. Don't watch Expecting. 
say, so, or I fall not. to pieces, or she, or somnambulist. Yeah. Or yeah. sense and sensitivity. Anything with Kate. It gets yeah. <laughs> real shaky there in the middle of the season. That's the thing. I think those episodes do suffer. Mm-hmm. I think that everything from Somnambulist up to I've Got You Under My Skin kind yeah. of suffers just by being in that block, by, by being in proximity to other episodes that aren't great. See, I think they suffer because they're not good. No, also no. that. <laughs> no, actually, though, I did like, I like Somnambulist. I'm just being a wise guy. Um, I like Somnambulist. I like some of these. Expecting was not that bad for me. I actually liked some of the elements of that, too. Um, but there are some of them that are just kind of difficult yeah. to deal with. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think that if you struggled getting through Angel and for some reason are listening to this, <laughs> go back, watch those essential episodes and then, you know, meet us back for season two. I think that's the best way to approach it. Where would you rank this first season of Angel? With the acknowledgement, the free and full acknowledgement that this is an apples to oranges comparison. Mm -hmm. Where would you rank the first season of Angel alongside the four seasons that we have thus far of Buffy? Where would it slot in there for you? Would you rather watch the first season of Angel than season two of Buffy, say, or season one of Buffy? Uh, Oh, goodness, it's tough. Would I rather? No, I think that I don't. I think it would be on the bottom, but not uh, because if you're talking about me personally, what I would rather watch, mm-hmm. I would rather watch Buffy than Angel. You know? Do you think to to jump the timeline a little? Do you think that your ranking for the twelve seasons that we're looking at as a part of Dusted would be? All seven seasons of Buffy, then all five seasons of Angel, then the movie, bottom of all. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have to I have to wait until I finish all of Angel again, you know, with fresh eyes mm-hmm. and really experience those stories. I remember really loving a lot of what Angel did. It's just that what Angel does is so different from Buffy. Sure. And while I enjoy Angel, Buffy is more my jam. It's yeah, more, yeah. it has more of the things that I love and the things that specifically delight me. While at the same time, I don't want to say that this takes away from how great Angel is, because in all honesty, give me a million wonderful television shows and ask me which one I want to watch more, <laughs> chances are I'm going to answer sure. Buffy. Yeah. No, yeah, number two on the list of all TV shows ever is still a pretty good place to be. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I think, and this I think might be, you know, mildly heretical, I think I might take season one of Angel over season one of Buffy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't compare I it can to any of the that. other seasons of Buffy. But I think that when we think of season one, we think of, you know, Welcome to the Hellmouth, and then we think of Prophecy Girl. And mm-hmm. yup, yup. And those, those two, are good. Outstanding. But in between those, you've got The Pack, you've got Never Kill a Boy, you've got Teacher's Pet, mm-hmm. you've got, as we saw in Tishanshu, Angel. Yeah. <laughs> Not season one of Buffy's highest point. I think that basically if you do uh, as much of a like-for-like comparison as you can, if you take our essentials list, you know, plus... Hero plus Room of the View. If you take the expanded Essentials list and put that against the 12 episodes of the first season of Buffy, I think you have a really ambitious and really accomplished piece of storytelling. Yeah. I might just push season one down to the bottom there. Uh, season, season one, one of, of, Buffy of Buffy down to the bottom. No, I yeah. think that is a very strong argument. Though I would hold no one in ill regard for, for yeah, taking you, your position. If you gave me, no, but if you gave me Angel season one essentials yeah. and the full season one of Buffy, 
I think that'd flip them for me because the essentials are real good. And Buffy does have a couple of dogs in the first season. Yeah, so. we didn't do a season wrap up of the first season of Buffy because, mm-hmm. as you can tell from this podcast, when you do a season wrap up of the first season, there's not really that much <laughs> yeah. to talk about because we kind of talked about it while we were talking about the episodes. <laughs> and because the first season of Buffy was so short, mm-hmm. the essentials list for the first season of Buffy is pretty much like three Welcome to the Hellmouth and the Harvest, <laughs> yes. Angel, and Prophecy Girl. Yeah. Everything else mm-hmm. isn't just inessential. Some of it is. I mean, yeah. as many of the bad episodes, you know, relatively bad episodes of the first season of Angel are, they're not absolutely reprehensible. Mm-hmm. They're just not a full manifestation of what this will be in time. And they're not really, I mean, they, you don't have to spend your time. I'm a completist. I always have to watch everything. That's just the way that I am. But like people who aren't mentally damaged in that way, um, <laughs> I think that if you can skip through and just do the essentials, that you will still have a full and interesting experience. But I find it really interesting that you would put Angel second on your list or maybe i'm holding your feet to the fire here if you really were compiling your list of favorite tv shows ever would angel be number two or is it in that top spot shared with buffy only because buffy is so good um it would not be number two it okay. would not be number two but it is it would up be a there. top 10 show it's a top 10 show so. i think i think absolutely um i have there are a lot of shows that i love like a whole lot um <laughs> to the point where it's like almost unnatural uh and i think that angel would fall below like the west wing you know would fall sure. below some of these some of these other shows that i really maybe really gilmore adore. girls i think i think it would fall below lost sure. for me i think that yeah so uh but angel still is really good. The thing with Angel is that it is not, it's not a show made to delight me. Mm-hmm. It has darker themes. It has grittier texture. This isn't typically the kind of thing that I go to television for. Now, I like Angel a lot. The fact that I like Angel as much as I do, considering that it is not a show that was made, you know, for me, the way that The West Wing and Lost and Buffy are, you mm-hmm. know, um, I think says actually quite a lot. Oh, so I don't want to, I don't want to feel like, I, like I'm slamming Angel. Sure. It's like Angel is not my cup of tea. And even without it being my cup of tea i love it a whole lot (laughs) so for people who this is their cup of tea this is their thing Mm -hmm. um i can see them loving it more than buffy absolutely yeah no i can Mm -hmm. i can see that i think those people are are rare but i think Mm -hmm. well i know for a fact that they're out there because we've heard from we have heard from them and you know (laughs) i think let that flag fly i like that you people are pro angel i think that's great i think that for me angel is a top 10 show Given how much more I enjoyed the first season than I expected to enjoy the first season, it may well end up being a top five show by the time I'm done. Would you put it right after Buffy on your top 10 list or top five list? Not because we're looking at, you're right, it's it's the absolute height of television. Mm -hmm. It is West Wing and it is Lost and it is, for me, Babylon 5, you know? Oh, which I still haven't seen. So many shows that Mm -hmm. I hold in the highest esteem, but it's up there. Yeah. And much like our (laughs) Every Buffy Ever list, or even increasingly our Every Angel Ever list, (laughs) once you get high enough on the list... There's not much to tell the difference between these episodes, you know? Mm-hmm. There's not much between Tishanshu in LA, 5x5 and Sanctuary, and I Will Remember You. Yeah, it's a slim margin of quality really at that is. point. And it yeah. gets harder and harder and harder to place these episodes in this hierarchical order when they're all pretty good. And what separates them is, you know, my mood on that day sometimes. So you know? overall, we're coming out of Angel with a really positive intent. I think we're coming out really eager to get into season two. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait for season two. I remember <laughs> loving well, I season two. That takes us to our last point of comparison, yeah. maybe for this season wrap-up episode. Are you looking forward more to season five of Buffy or season two of Angel? Okay. You have to understand. <laughs> 
Season five of Buffy is my favorite season of any television ever in the history of the universe. I love season five with my whole heart, so nothing is going to eclipse season five for me. That does not mean that season two of Angel isn't serious business. I like it. In a weird way, I'm looking forward to season two of Angel as much. I'll say as much. As well, much. because I know season five of Buffy so well. Right. And I don't know Angel, Angel as well. Has some I've been surprises. really surprised by it and, yeah. and really engaged by it. And knowing the broad strokes of where we go in season two, I am in. I cannot wait, wait to see some of these yeah. episodes. So I think we're we're leaving season one in a really good place, despite some dark times there in the middle. <laughs> I think we're leaving season sure. one in a really good place and looking forward to season two, which we will begin next week. Next week on Monday, we are looking at Buffy versus Dracula, the first episode of the fifth season of Buffy. An important, if not necessarily good, episode of Buffy. <laughs> Certainly the weakest season opener of Buffy. I, I think absolutely hands down, but still real fun and interesting to talk about. I have a strange feeling we're going to have a little to discuss at we, the end of that we episode. Might. Then on Thursday, we are looking at Judgment, written by Joss Whedon and David Greenwalt, the first episode of the second season of Angel. Really looking forward to that, too. Five seasons done, seven seasons to go. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Let's get right. moving. <laughs> let's get to it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Dusted. Dusted.